0: Pod, 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 pod. Rugby pod.
1: Um, welcome back to Rugby Pod. I'm Andy Rowe I'm Big Jim Goody with me as usual. Hey, hold on Bef- a minute, you're, you're Andy Rowe, you never say that. I've started to say it. I just think people need to know. (laughs) Beer52 are with us throughout the Six Nations, offering you free beers delivered straight to your door from the very best breweries on the planet. You can get a case of eight free beers, and there's no minimum commitment. So you can just take the free case, try the beers, see what you think, and you can pause or cancel it at any point. It's perfect to go with your Six Nations viewing as well. All you need to do is go to beer52.com forward slash rugby and cover the postage. That's the word beer, Followed by the number52.com forward slash rugby to get your first case of eight beers for free. And you'll be supporting the rugby pod as well.
2: And they're Scottish. Another good thing to come
0: out of Scotland, I suppose. Hey, well, it's the only good thing this week, isn't it, Jim? You're not as chipper today, son. You've shaved your head. You've got your pants on your head. You've got the skid marks showing. How are you, Jim? What's going on?
2: Firstly, what do you think of the sky, Ned? Uh,
0: you look a lot better after
2: four or five days growth than it did initially. I went proper Skyned. This is no reflection of suns. This has got to do with my barber who is absolutely horrendous. And I was starting Beck? to call uh, Beck, Beck, <laughs> Beck, the, the only person that can give a human being mange. Now, I said to her, this can't carry on. My head was so itchy from the different angles that the Manscaped razor, which is meant for your bits, was on my eyebrows and on my head because my other one ain't working. So I ain't blaming Manscaped, I'm blaming Barber Beck. I'd say if I looked hard before, I look (laughs) hard as nails. I've got like a four-inch scar, five-inch scar on the side of my head. And I might just keep it just for that because it's it's a war wound. It's a battle wound. It just shows that I put my head somewhere where arguably it shouldn't have been. You can't put them there anymore. We can put them there, but you've got to be careful where you put your head now. But it's taken the shine off last week's unbelievable 50-point win against England. It's taken the shine <laughs>
0: off with a with a Skynet and a loss at the weekend. I do wonder, like we've just passed through Valentine's Day weekend... Um, and it's it's quite interesting, actually, because you look on social media, loads of lads are forced to put a picture up of their misses, right? Like Andy Rowe, partook in it, you know, he he was forced to put a picture of his forced. missus up. Hey, I wasn't t- forced. Hey, I wasn't forced. I wasn't forced. I wasn't forced. Loads of lads have been forced to do it over the weekend. Like, why haven't you put the picture up of me and you, like, telling each other how much we love each other and all this stuff? And... Jim, I didn't see a picture of you and Beck. And is it because she shaved your head and made you look like that? No, it's got nothing to do with that. It's got oh, to do okay. with
2: lockdown again. That's it. That's the only reason why we didn't get a photo put up. I put one of me and Blair Cowan, me old oose up there, uh, of us touching heads Glasgow style uh, on social, just to see if it will go viral like the rest of my tweets, but it hasn't. And Beck did ask me. She said, why have you not put a picture showing your love for me on social media? I said, that is the world that we live in now. By you thinking, if I'm going to put a picture of me and you on social media, I love you more. That that isn't the case. That she said, "Well, do you love me?" And I couldn't say it. I couldn't.
0: <laughs> why? This is I've the mother to, of your four children. James. I've had
2: to shave my head. That's why <laughs> I've had to shave my head. And we're we're asking a million questions at the house. How long is this going to go on for? When are the kids going back to school? When are you going back to work, Beck? <laughs> <laughs> when am I going to Ibiza? There's so many questions and. I'm not a Valentine's Day guy, believe it or not. I'm I'm not massively romantic. No. I'm not. I, yeah, really? no. Nah, nah. <laughs> I'm not.
0: I bought some flowers from Marks and Spencers, yes, on Valentine's Day morning cuz I felt bad. Was that from the BP garage with the Marks and Spencers tagged onto it or was it?
1: It was actually a Marks and Spencers one. Uh, okay. What is the most romantic thing you boys have done before? Mr.
2: Good is He's like a topper, like I saw some stuff on social media. You know, people get these like massive balloons and they bring clowns in when you could and they bring in people with the violins and stuff. That would be Goody's style. I'm telling you now, he'd go all in. He'd, he'd have the loafers on, you'd have the jeggings on, the air would be on point, the bedsores would be wiped down this weekend's Valentine's Day and
0: you'd go all in, I reckon. Andrew, yes or no? Uh, No, mate, we we weren't bothered by it, but I did get a present from my twin girls. It's actually quite nice as a dad when uh, the missus helps our three-year-old twins make some Valentine's Day cards for me. So I got three Valentine's Day cards, one from Olivia, one from Isabella, and one for the good lady. But my favourite thing was the book that I got with it. As the twins know, I spend a bit of time, and I tweeted about it this week when a stat came out that men managed to hide for seven hours a year in the toilet just to get some peace and quiet. It ain't seven hours a year, boys and girls. I reckon it's minimum seven hours a week, if not. Or a day. It could be a day. Right now, it could be a day. But they got me a book that was uh, 52 things to do while you poo. um, Because Daddy likes to go to the bathroom and hide. Um, Yeah, romantic. uh, There's no need for it. All these men, like you, Andy Rowe, declaring your love for your missus and show is it an ownership thing is it was she only you?
1: there was balloons there was hot air balloons <laughs> on his social I, I get approached a lot on social media and i've got to let the girls know that i'm <laughs> I'm, I'm taken
2: oh my word well i didn't see lewis reese summit post anything i don't know whether he's taken but there's rumor out there that he is dating paul skulls's daughter that's not a rumor jim is it true yeah, That is the truth it is truth there's an unbelievable picture of paul Scholes <laughs> on social media that i've seen do the round <laughs> um well i don't know what that's got to do with lewis Rees Summit, but he was meant to come on the podcast today actually talking of romance we can jump back to mine basically i'm not that romantic but if i was married or associated with lewis Rees Summit, i'd be the most romantic human being you've ever you've ever seen but he was meant
0: to come on the pod and then he's been blocked Who's he been blocked by, Jim? Because I had a few messages with him congratulating him, and he thanked me personally. He said, Andy, you've been the catalyst for this. From that tweet 18 months or so ago, when you asked whether I was English or Welsh, and that was the catalyst that drove him through. And we've got our revenge. I am a quarter Welsh, courtesy of my amazing grandfather, rest in peace, Grandpa Harold, uh, who was born and bred in Pontypryth. And uh, we beat the Scots. <laughs> we We did it. We beat the Scots. Lewis rees summit two tries, hell of a finish to win it. Uh, what a legend. What a lovely bloke as well. He, he he wants it to come on the pod. He messaged me on over Twitter, privately, obviously, because he's big time. He doesn't want to leak it to the masses. But his mates listened to it, and he was blocked by the WRU from coming on the podcast. Real shame. My fault. It's probably my, it's, it's my fault. Yeah, it is probably your fault, Jim, to be fair, because you bagged the Welsh for a long, long time. And they're waiting for your apology today. But all I want to ask him is about Scolzi. And was he at that party in COVID when Scalzi had his daughters, all the mates round or whatever. And there was a big hoo-ha about that. And has he seen the picture of Scalzi with his willy hanging out? On, on the football <laughs> and street? how cold was it? How
2: cold was it that day? I'll answer it. Minus 10. That's how cold it was.
0: But yeah, it's a real shame. Lewis reeves wanted to come on. The Wru blocked him. I blame Jim Hamilton because you've hammered the Welsh for a long time. And now they are two from two, Jim. And potentially on their way to a Grand Slam. How's your Grand Slam going? You talked about it last week.
2: It's not a background slams. It's not a background. It's not a background <laughs> slams. Oh, really? Yeah. Just on to the next. Just want to get better. Just want to get better week in week out. Just want to get better. Just want to improve and just
0: want to get better. How dull is that line that everyone's spitting out at the minute about just just want to? It started off with us. Just want to get better every week in training. You know, get your heads down, work hard, intensity of training makes us better week on week improvement. Now that's all anyone says. How dull. Very.
1: What happened to Scotland, Jim?
2: Um. We looked all right, I thought. We, I, I, th- I think there was parts of it that we looked very good. We definitely didn't have the energy at the start of the game as we did against England, right? So that was kind of glaringly obvious. And there was a few things around that that sapped the energy. Um, me you giving Wales... Yeah, 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 well, it's my fault. It's my fault because <laughs> I basically, Judas the Welsh, line out on here last week. Nothing to do with Ken Owens. All Alan Wynne-Jones. And they've rocked up, and they're mauling Scotland to the cow sheds and back. So that's one part of the game. The scrum as well, I think there was a penalty quite early on at scrum time, just sapped the energy from the Scotland lads. But still, we'll fast forward half-time. We're winning 17-3 at half-time. Well, so what are you on about, Jim? Well, the, 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 I'm, get, I'm getting on to it. I'm building, I'm building the storyboard. I'm building the emotion up to it. And I tweeted about it. Of course, I've been on my phone way too much this weekend, by the way. I think my screen time on Saturday was over seven and a half hours. But look, I'm an influencer. I've got, <laughs> yeah, I've got to be out there communicating, putting out my messages and putting out fires as well with some of the stuff that I put out. But from a Scotland perspective, I thought we were going to win that game comfortably. I mean, match point predictor didn't say comfortably. It said eight points or something. But as the game's unfolding in that first half, I'm like, we could win with a bonus point here comfortably. And we go into half time 17 points to three the way that we kicked off nine off thin off hoggy was world-class at the weekend and i just thought we're on for the grand slam here lads we are (laughs) we are we're having it the air's growing back and we're on for a grand slam and as we know the red card, which is a lot of debate, and we can talk about that in a minute, but that had a huge influence on the outcome of the game and still could have won at the end. What about that tap tackle by Owen Watkin Owen and Duan Watkin. van der Merver? Oh,
0: my, mate, no, no one's given him enough credit about that because if you watch it, Lewis Rees-Zamit slips over before he taps him. He, he might have still caught him on his hands and knees, though. Well, yeah, he could, he's that good and that quick. He may have got up and back. No, because Duan van der Merver is wheels as well. So, Owen Watkin, you watch his work rate as well. Uh, and it's it's quite interesting. Coaches look at this sort of stuff. What about the magic from friend Russell to put Duan van der Merwe down the line, backdoor, side door? Call it what you will. It was ridiculous. And then look at the replay. Watch Owen Watkins' work rate compared to a lot of those other Welsh players. Unbelievable work rate, and that wins the game because Tipperary is trying his hardest to get back. He doesn't get. He doesn't get there guarantee he doesn't get there and that's under the sticks Scotland the Grand Slam still on boys but Owen Watkins should just be given the freedom of Wales right now
2: yeah that was class and that was the big part of the game like you said Goody that people aren't talking about obviously the other part of it is the red card and we'll come on to that you know what I liked about Wales and again I might have not belittled them but not talked them up as much as I'm about to now as the game's going on And Scotland going into the Welsh line, it looked like the Wales team of old when they won Grand Slams. And Wales of old, defensively, they looked so comfortable apart from that last play, which was phenomenal by Owen Watkin. But I mean, Wales two from two, what can you say from a Scotland perspective? Like we, arguably, if we had 15 men on the field, it might have been very different. But as we've seen at the top level, 14 players at any level, especially at the
0: top level, are you going to struggle to win, win a game? There's two massive talking points, isn't there, uh, around it. And obviously the red card, which we haven't touched on yet. Um, But then when Scotland get held up, turned over on their try line, some people said they should have gone for the three points. There was two opportunities to go for the three points. They didn't. They scored the try. It's game one. Hindsight's an easy thing, isn't it? Uh, I'm thinking in those conditions, you should take the three. And I nearly tweeted about it. But then I thought, nah, because they're going to score anyway. And unfortunately, they didn't. And Wales go on to win it. The finish from Reece Summit was ridiculous. Obviously, the major talking point is the red card. And, you know, there's so many people around the game with different opinions, both in the game, both fans. And there's all of a sudden, there's loads of these people with names like Gary126946432 on Twitter that think they've got the right opinion all the time. They just go out abusing people. It's a red card. Like, letter of the law these days, it is a red card, isn't it?
2: Oh, 100%. And... You know, the Twitter thing's an interesting thing because I'm not hugely outspoken on there, um, but this weekend I have been on a few things. And like you said, it's just... I don't know whether it's because people are bored or what, or they're watching the game, or they think that there's a negativity behind some of our comments when we put them out there. We're obviously well-placed in understanding the game, understanding the laws, understanding the interpretations of a lot, a lot of parts of the games, right? When it comes to these red card scenarios, everyone knows, or who've listened to this, knows my take on it. Like, I don't want to necessarily see that as a red card because the game comes to an end then. You may as well call it. How many games do you see where
0: you go down to 14 men? But you say you say that though, it didn't though. Hoggy scores that try to put Scotland back in front down to 14 men and Scotland can still win the game. It only it was only a bit of magic by Reece Sammet, lovely ball by Halaholo on the edge to put him away that... They end up winning the game. So it wasn't like it all of a sudden became, you know, a a definite result that Scotland were definitely going to lose because ferguson has got sent off. Now, same the week before for Wales. Ireland could have won that game. So certain times, I completely agree with you, but it didn't, for me, it didn't affect the game and make it a guaranteed win for Wales. That's why they won the game. I don't think Wales would have won. No, I'm I'm not saying they would have won, but what I'm saying is it wasn't like a a foregone conclusion as soon as he got sent off that, Wales are going to go ahead and win the game. It was because we're, still. Because Wales are oh, going to be horrible
2: here. Because Wales aren't as good. Oh, mate, why are you being horrible? <laughs> as they, they, as beat they, they, they beat, beat Scotland. They beat Scotland and they beat Ireland. And they're on for a Grand Slam. So it is me being horrible. But we should talk about, we should di- dissect Xander Ferguson's red card with an open cloth. Because going back to my point, in years, years being a year or two gone by, we're probably sat at home thinking there's no way that's a red card. That is way a red card now, unfortunately. And me and Xander were messaging after the game as well, just, you know, saying, look, mate, you you know, unfortunate for you, you've been class. I don't think there was any malice in it. That is one of them rugby incidents that happen. Arguably, if Wynn Jones doesn't get rolled over in the breakdown, he might not have hit his head, but he did hit his head with force, at distance, with a closed arm. And there's loads of, you know, this is the thing where, the game is now and we've all become keyboard warriors and we're sat there what about this one what about this one what about that it doesn't matter about what about this one and what about that we're looking at that and that's what's been highlighted by the tmo and when it unfolded i was like we've got off with one there i didn't know that he connected with the head but normally with the force generated and the way that win jones went down and did he dive we can you know that that's we don't know uh, without speaking to him or him admitting it, admitting it. but the framework of the game now and looking after players' heads, you you can't do that now. Whether or not it's an accident or not, we'll reiterate. You go into a breakdown with a closed arm, with a run-up, flying into it, and your shoulder connects with an opposition player's head. It's a red card. It's not even yeah. up for debate. that's There is no debate around it. And this was the, the tweet that went out there. And
0: unfortunately, for Xander, who's not a dirty player, he's off-boss. I think Rory Best summed it up pretty well yesterday on the box when he was saying that there was no sort of stutter step before he got to the rock. He just flew in from seven, eight metres, didn't he? Full full bore. And unfortunately, in doing that, some people say, well, you need that force to be able to clear someone out. And unfortunately, in doing that, not having the stutter step, not sort of settling his feet before he goes to hit the contact where you do lose some momentum he did contact, make contact with his head. And it's something that you picked up on there, Jim, when you said, oh, you know, did Win Jones go down with his head injury? If you think you've been hit in the head from a, a clean out or in a tackle, go down because ultimately the TMO can only look at stuff until the game restarts. I said the same thing last week around Francis. Thomas Francis has gone down, complained about his head last week. Ten seconds later, when he realises Wayne Barnes is played on, he's back in the defensive line. And then he goes down again when play stops. So they then they check it. Now, I'm not saying coaches will be coaching players to stay down if they've had a head knock, but you have to have something else. If Win Jones has been hit in the head with that force and it's a red card, you've got to have HIA. You have to have a HIA um, and be checked out because you can't just say you've been hit in the head and then say, no, I'm fine, boss. I'll, I'll play on because it, it then starts to look at other things creeping in the game where people are appealing too much and we don't want to go down that route as well.
1: How good was Lewis Reese He's
0: bloody quick, isn't he, Jim?
2: Quick, good-looking, young, fair play. If um, there was ever a poster boy now of Welsh rugby, and we've seen a few gone by, I was going to say Jamie Roberts of old, but arguably not more, Lee Halfpenny. George North. uh, uh, Yeah, George North. They produce world-class players, don't they, who are 10 out of 10 looking and speed and a lot of other things and he's that bloke you know let's not f- let let's start at the fact that he was 20 only a couple of months ago 20 years old and he's rocked onto the scene with no fans which must be difficult imagine if there was fans there and he's doing what he's doing on the wing with his speed i tell you what impresses me most about him is not the rapido which is quite impressive but you know we're all quick so it's not it's not a huge hate- thing yeah, we're all quick, you know. imagine he does hundred meters in what ten point three? Probably, yeah. I'll probably do it in about thirteen seconds. It's not a three seconds mate, difference, mate. You, you're <laughs> mate. you're not sub fifteen, mate. That's no, I genuinely. When I did the hundred meters, I did it in about fourteen seconds, maybe just under. But it's his work off the ball defensively. It's defense. Watch him defend. Watch his work rate in and around the breakdowns on the on the um, off the ball on the kick chases. That's what impresses me. That. He's not just come onto the scene, and he's rapid, and that's it. And as we know, there's so many more layers that you need, but there's no denying, it is undeniable that that finish was world-class. It looked like he was jogging when he regathered the ball from the chip.
0: That's how quick he is. Yeah, he's proper wheels. And it's ironic you say that, Jim, about his work rate, because people were kind of pointing the finger at him a little bit for Stuart Hogg's try when um, Lee Halfpenny's turned and fumbled it in the first half. Um, they, I think people, when you, you're getting around to the real nitty-gritty of positional play in a back three, he's probably three or four meters away from being in the perfect position. Um, but again, he's young, he's learning the game and, you know, halfpenny turned and dropped on the ball. It's not actually halfpenny's job to get back and turn on the ball when he's supposed to be up in the defensive line making that last hit. So halfpenny did exceptionally well, but then on top of it, um, you know, spilt the ball and Reece Sammet was nearly there as well. So it was a collection of just slightly been out of position and, and the error from uh, Lee Halfpenny. But yeah, he's ridiculous. And he plays against the Funky Chicken, Johnny May, in a couple of weeks, if they're both selected. And that is wheels on wheels on wheels, isn't it? Both playing at Gloucester now, You're reading some of the stuff in the press that they're probably both looking forward to playing against each other. Lewis Reece Samit, every time he plays and has played for Gloucester and now in a Welsh shirt, He's so exciting when he's got the ball just because he's, he's so something. rapid.
2: He does something, doesn't he? Every game he plays in, he does something. And he puts the
0: fear of God up, up defenders because, like you said, he doesn't even look like he's trying hard. Like, you picture when you try and run as fast as you can or when I used to be able to run and try and... Like, your facial expressions, absolutely hanging. Everyone put Lewis Summit, His hair doesn't move. He just glides ridiculously quick. His hair doesn't move and he's just a smiley, happy rugby player that has got wheels to burn. So, um, you know, exciting times for him, for Wales, Josh Adams. Does he come back into the mix uh, for the England game in a couple of weeks time after his COVID slip? They've got options, haven't they? And and Lewis rees Summit has been given an opportunity and has taken it with
1: both hands. Well, something that might speed you guys up a little bit, packed coffee. Have you guys received your package yet from packed coffee? I actually did. And I did not, it, it was
2: actually amazing. I'll be honest. And, It's difficult sometimes when we talk about stuff on here that we've been given for free and we feel compelled to talk them up. Lovely coffee. Normally, I'd go for me... Nespresso pods or a posh coffee Wellington coffee in Edinburgh it costs about £3.20, but it's worth it because it's with oat milk, and oat milk is more expensive than cow's milk, apparently. Uh, that's um, cheap but, yeah. compared to London.
0: Mate, £3.20 for a coffee is cheap compared to London, pal. Well, this was a freebie
2: anyway, this one, yeah? and it was lovely, Andrew. Did you, did you have some? What about
0: the smell, mate? What about the smell when you open it up? That's my favourite thing about a coffee. When you get the coffee beans, the ground coffee, you just open the packet and just take in the aroma.
1: Lovely. Well, packed coffee delivers flexible coffee plans to your door are all about coffee without compromise. That means they only source the best coffee and pay coffee farmers an average of 55% above fair trade baseline. It's not your typical subscription that comes on the first of every month. You can get coffee whenever you want and you can pause, cancel or change your plan at any time online. There's no hidden postage charges and if you order before 1pm on Monday, friday your order will be with you the very next day it's also letterbox friendly so you don't need to be at home waiting for your coffee and we've got a discount code as well so you get your first bag from just one pound 95 just head to packcoffee.com. that's p-a-c-t coffee.com create your flexible coffee plan enter the code rugby at the checkout and get specialty coffee through your letterbox. The code is valid when you create a packed coffee plan and only for new customers. So go and check them out. England, forty one eighteen over Italy. Goody. Hey, mate, we're back. We're back. We're above Scotland in the league. Table,
0: standings, call it what you will, mate. Eddie Jones, you know, just delivers, mate. 41-point victory. 40, no, I can't even get that excited about it. I
1: mean, ah. Well, Eddie and Owen were pretty happy afterwards.
0: Yeah, I mean, they're going to be, right? You, you you put 41 points on any team after a defeat the week before and the negativity around the performance. Uh, you could see there was a mentality shift in how we were trying to attack. We weren't very good at it at times, uh, but at least the intent was there. But, I mean, the disappointing thing for me is you play in Italy at home, you've got players in the squad like Randall, like Adogwu, like Ben Earl, uh, I know Jack Willis. I know they're both on the bench. You know, Ellis I thought he played quite well the week before. You know, you drop him and, and, and bring in Mako, who hasn't played. Clearly, Eddie Jones is is no interest in evolving and, and giving others opportunities in the Six Nations. He's got a mindset of, I just want to win the Six Nations. I've lost to Scotland. The only way I'm going to win the Six Nations is to win every other game. So I'm just going to go with type and what I know. And he picked a team, brought George Ford back in. He, you know, did reasonably well, put some width on the ball. The big thing for me is Owen Farrell's really happy about the performance. I thought he was garbage, and I I don't want to be horrible. He's holding England back. He's playing twelve, he dropped the ball a few times. Yes, he's the captain. Eddie's not going to make any changes, let's be honest. He does what he wants to do, and no matter how much we beat the drum, and everyone said it around other players like Sam Simmons, you know, is he gonna to listen to anyone? No chance. There's still a massive hangover, I believe, and you saw that in the performance. Around the World Cup in 2019, uh, and the final, you think back to the semi-final and the quarter-final against Australia and New Zealand. The intensity, the accuracy, you know, the attacking intent that we showed in those games compared to where we are now—we're quite sluggish. And you know, I think Italy were hard done by by the ref as well at times on a few things. Oh, don't get me started on that. The intent was everything, and the accuracy wasn't. They're still shell shocked probably from losing to Scotland last week, but also I just think within the group, there's a fear and they won't say anything, but Eddie Jones rules with fear, doesn't he? And then Farrell's your captain. It's like, they're just looking for someone to tell them what to do. Um, And when Farrell's your captain and not playing particularly well, he doesn't add a lot in attack for me at the minute. Um, You know, we saw that against Scotland where Ollie Lawrence waited 60 odd minutes to get a pass and then gets dropped. Yeah. And then this weekend, um, you know, the Ford Farallax is, is back. Dan Robson comes off the bench, makes a massive impact instead of Ben Young's. But we're never going to know anything because he's just going to keep picking who he wants to pick. And that will be, you know, the usual, the usual mob, which is Eddie's prerogative. But it doesn't stop us from being able to discuss it and debate it. And we go to Wales next up and you could see him picking his usual team and us doing a job over Wales uh, down there, which will kind of justify what he wants to do. So we're allowed to debate it. It was There was more intent from England, but it was inaccurate. And Italy, they were never going to win the game, let's be honest, but there were a few things that went against them on the day.
2: If I played like Faz played, he would never speak to me ever again. I played half as bad against Newcastle when he was on holiday in Dubai, and he ain't spoke to me since. He ain't spoke to me since that day because he thought I was shit. And that was it, full stop. Well, he had Worst I've seen him play. Worst I've seen him play for England. And yeah. that is a real... Is it a worry or a concern? Because he'd normally back it up. If he's been shit one week, he will rock up the next week because he's a world-class player and it means a lot to him. The worrying thing for me is that he had a poor, poor game against Scotland and there was a lot of interaction around that. You saw his interview after the game. So you're thinking the game against Italy, he's coming in, he's like, right, I'm going to prove everyone wrong. They're having it. And they did have it off the ball. (laughs) what do you mean the ref had it as well in both ears well you saw the interaction with Mike Adamson as well and we can talk about the referees and this is I like Mike Mike Adamson I've commentated on loads of games Edinburgh loads of games for Glasgow where he's been refereeing Scottish referee and it has been standout standout performances but I I look at that game at the weekend and there's there's loads that we can talk about that, that have come from it but just going back to England's performance there's nothing in that that I'm like that would worry a big team, and I mean that with with all due respect to Italy, who I actually thought I thought Italy looked all right. And this is what I mean. And this we can come to the the Twitter thing about my comments around Johnny May's try, and it shouldn't have been a try. And the reason why I think that because. I think Italy were hard done by on that and on a, a few occasions. And a lot of people calling for Italy to be thrown out. And people are like, yeah, but it's not to do with Johnny May's try or a yellow card not going to Farrow. It's to do with the fact they've lost 26 or whatever games it is in a row. I was like, yeah, but you, they're going to be judged on performances, aren't they? Because they're a young team now. They started that game incredibly well. I thought they looked really good in the tack, some good players. But I've been in t- a <laughs> Scotland team before where the referee could take the wind out your sail. And if you're gonna if you're gonna win a game and and, and upset a team, the bounce of the ball needs to go your way sometimes. If you're if if you're not. And England, a, you know, a Wales, an Ireland, Scotland, New Zealand, South Africa, Australia. You, I know, I know, <laughs> I know. I, I, I wouldn't put Australia in that mix either as well. <laughs> um, but if you're a top, top team, like you you play well or whatever, you don't need the bounce of the ball. But when we've seen Italy beat France, for example, in recent years, or they had that win against South Africa yeah, like in recent years as well, is you need everything to go your way. And part of that is the decisions around the, the, the referee. And I just thought, I looked at that game and I felt for Italy. Because you can see how hard they're trying. You can see that they've picked some young players. And it wasn't the bounce of the ball. They just didn't get the, the rub of the referee. And you wonder whether that's Mike Adamson's ex- inexperience. Joy Neville as a TMO, not having the experience to, to call it and, and to kind of tell him, no, this is, this is the case. And it's easy, again, when you sit at home and you're on your phone and you're on Twitter, it's easy to pass judgment. I can't imagine how difficult it is. But it's our job to pass opinion and pass judgment it's not me being horrible like i'm backing up what i'm saying with with some of it i mean for me faz's hit on varney it is a penalty at least it's late yeah very late he's angry for some reason so there's no need for him to do that he's whacked him in the back he's gone down with his head well that means he's connected with his head then And what they go with, they go back and look at it, don't they, to see if it's high Goody.
0: By him going down with his head, are you saying that he was trying to fake an injury to try and get away with the fact that he's belted him in the face or not?
2: Only he will know. But my point is being is that. Are you
0: happy to put your name to that,
2: Jim? Put my name to it. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe don't put my name to it because I don't want to say that players going down injury and he's hard. He's a northerner. But you look at that. So from Farrell's perspective or from the viewer's perspective, the referees and Joy Neville on TMO. He's connected with his head. So it's a, head, it's a head-on-head collision because he ain't hit he ain't hit his knee. So if you go on Farrell's expression, Farrell has hit him late, high, with his head, on head. So in the framework, that would be a
0: red card, wouldn't it? So when you look back at it, you're like, okay, it weren't as bad as... Well, that, that, they're saying that it was chest on back. So his initial contact point was with his chest. And that's what World Rugby are trying to outlaw where the chest-on-chest tackles or chest-on-back tackles, those upright tackles, always lead to a head-on-head or pretty much always lead to a head collision somewhere down the line, which is the reason behind all this framework. So I'm not saying it was a red-card offence at all. It was definitely late, and I think it's all around that. It's experience and the wording. So where Joy Neville's buzzed into Mike Adamson and said, oh, we need to look at this, she hasn't said, and she perhaps should have said, and led the conversation around out of the framework we don't think it's uh, uh you know a, a nasty challenge it's not a penalty for for height wise because they felt that it was chest on back but she should have then said but it is a late tackle and that, that that's the argument in fact and the two points about it England were 15-8 up going to the last play of the first half Johnny May scores that try to go 20 points to 8 up Italy get a penalty in the in the second half 20 points to 11 Anthony Watson when he intercepts it is 20 points to 11 he goes the length scores under the sticks, 27-11. If it gets chalked off, which it should have done because it was a late tackle, Italy have got a very s- simple penalty there to, to kick it goal to make it 20 points to 14. Now, I'm not saying Italy would win the game, but when Jim's talking about the points of not getting the rub of the green, judging on performance, that scoreline could have been a bit different. England were always going to win it, right? But if it's 20 points to 14, instead of it being 27 points to 11, and that turn, that flick of the the try because of Farrell's action, you're looking at, a, you know, Italy are in the game with 55 minutes gone. But, you, you know, go back to Johnny May's try, your, your interaction, and it's amazing. this is what I love about Nigel Owens, you know, he's not scared to give an opinion and back it up with the, the rules and the laws and how things are refereed in the heat of battle. We've all got opinions, but he is the king of the opinion around what is a referee decision and what's right and wrong. And it is borderline around the try, whether he jumps the tackle first or he's diving to score a try. What
2: about the interaction, Goody, on Twitter when people are trying to talk about how you dive into a swimming pool and dive (laughs) off a diving board? And it's like, for me, when I put it out there, I'm not looking to like talk badly about the game or to try and build some controversy around it. Like you said, it's an opinion. In my opinion, right, I I think it is that obvious that he's jumped the tackler, that he's jumped it, he hasn't dived. You know, you look at James Lowe, if he would have dived over the the French defenders at the weekend for his try he, he probably would have got over if he dived in from five metres out if you're Louis rees could dive from the halfway line and he <laughs> might get over the try line yeah but like I know we're having a little bit of a joke about it so I put it out there and it did go viral and Nigel Owens did back me up and a load of people are coming back well where's the laws it doesn't stay it doesn't say in 9.3 of the the law book or the rule book or laws is laws rules is rules as Michael Holford said in 9.1 or 9.3 but it's for me, it's obvious. Like otherwise, you get players jumping over rocks from now on. And of course, like, you do a swan dive. If I do a swan dive, I'm going, I'm going up, I'm going high, tits out, <laughs> hoping, hoping the tits pull me down, and I, I don't hit, hit my belly first. But but you assume, can only
0: dive in the act of scoring a try. That's the difference.
2: So he's not he's not dove for the line. He's jump. How's the how's the tackler meant to tackle him? How is Sparandino, Sparandio? How is he meant to tackle Johnny May? Well, he tries, didn't he? Well, he,
0: he, he goes in. You see the pictures, he's, he's trying to wrap his arm, and Johnny May's jumped <laughs> over There's it. no one there.
2: So, for the people listening, it ain't a big deal, massively. Like, it's just another thing that was missed. You can't do it. It is a big deal if you're Italy. That's 15 8 at half time. But that's the thing, because it is Italy. That's like, people are just like, oh, it's Italy. It looks amazing. Undeniably, it looks absolutely class. People are like saying, like the NFL, you're allowed to jump over the sackers in an NFL, <laughs> NBA, <laughs> yeah. NBA, you're jumping in NBA. You don't dive, you jump. So, <laughs> oh, mate, it's uh, the joys of being on Twitter and Nigel Owens. Nigel Owens was smart actually because. He came on about 11 o'clock at night. Couple of red wines. Well, everyone's asleep, isn't they? Well, most people, everyone who's been on Twitter all day is absolutely bored back because of their eyes. <laughs> They're seeing like 10 iPhones or whatever phone you've got. They can't see because they've been on the phone the whole day. And he came in and maybe with what Nigel said, he said it's the law. He's not, there isn't a law that says you can't jump over a tackler but it's there is. around the place oh there is okay well yeah there,
0: there is a law that that you cannot jump a tackle but then there's a fine line between jumping a tackle and diving to score a try and that's where the gray area is um so in the field of play you cannot jump a tackle or you cannot prevent someone from attempting to make a tackle by jumping you know johnny may is he jumping that tackle because he didn't want to get hit or is he thinking i'm diving here like an absolute hero to get some headlines and Score a wonder try and get all the pictures galore because he's got unbelievable spring in his step, right? But he jumps first. Well, I'm saying because he he didn't want to take the tackle, but I'd like,
2: and (laughs) people are like, what would you do? What would you do if that was a Scotland winger? Well, I was mates with Johnny. I I was mates mates with Johnny before I put that tweet out. (laughs) I played with him at Gloucester. Do you know what I mean? I want to see him score an unbelievable try. So it's not about me hating on the English. I'm a quarter English. If we win the Six Nations, I'm English. So. From Johnny May's perspective, I'm just giving my opinion, which has obviously divided opinion, and for people to get
0: a little bit aggressive out there on social, loving it.
1: Didn't you mention something about the laws at the breakdown as well, after Jack Willis got injured?
0: Oh, I mean, Jim's been all over Twitter this weekend, hasn't he? Just all oh, this and all oh, that, oh, just controversy, Jim. This is coming
2: from a man who you, who's rolled many a men out of the breakdown before, because when they were jackling that low, I couldn't get that low at the end of my career. So I'd get in there and I'd roll them over. And absolutely 100% believe you shouldn't be allowed to do that. And Seb Negri, who's a friend of the show, and I've had a bit of interaction with him over the weekend as well, and I thought he was incredibly good. Obviously, it's the nature of rugby, isn't it? To put a, a tweet out and um, a post out just wishing Jack and th- th- there was no malice meant. You know, Seb Negri, I'm not... There's, th- for me... He's done everything he can in the laws or the framework of the game and watch how he perceives them to get Jack Willis out. And again, the the breakdown's such a difficult thing to referee because what are the laws around that? Like, you know, can you clear a player out when, you, when you're when lying on your back? No, but people do all the time. Like, it happens all the time. And you've got to go back to it. You know, Goody, you know the Wasp lads really well. We've had Jack on here. You know, phenomenal player. Um, I'm, I'm sick for him because… Yeah it's a nasty nasty injury we saw Dan Levy I don't know the mechanics around his he's out for the rest of the season Dan Levy as well with his knee yeah I saw that as well and and Ellis Jenkins as well had a nasty one again I think the mechanics were similar to that and you talk about player safety my and obviously the head has to be paramount we know the reasons why around that but my goodness me the damage and you heard the scream yeah horrible The damage you can do,
0: so it needs to be changed. It does need to be changed. And And you look at the evolution of the clear out, right? So you go back to our days of playing. You remember being coached by Wellesley, and Wellesley used to say, the hardest bit of your body is your head, so fly your head in there to clean them out. That's when you could do that under the laws back in the day. So you'd be aiming under his chin, and this is what we were coached as players, and every club would do the same. So it's not a big... Who around John Wells. Every player was coached this way. Get your head underneath their head. They'll soon bounce off the ball. Then that gets outlawed and they start talking, then hook the neck and roll the neck. I remember in training towards the back end of my career at a club where we were having to be dummies around lying over a sausage bag and getting your neck rolled <laughs> and I'm sat there, going,
2: and it's I'm a, sat there. It's a fact it was called the neck roll that's yeah.
0: and I'm sat there at training going this ain't me I promise you I'm never going to put myself in that position on the field why do I need to be put your head down put your head over he's <laughs> looking up put your head down and I'd, I'd be trying to roll off the bag before they even got there um, but then that gets outlawed and now the next thing is and players are still being coached and, and they're allowed to be coached this because it within the laws of the game, the body roll, the crock roll of the body, which, you know, as we've seen, horrific outcome for for Jack Willis at the weekend. Feel really sorry for him, as the whole of world rugby does, I'm sure, to hear the scream, the noise that came with it as well from his knee after battling back from 18 months out from doing his knee on on Allianz Park. Is it still called Allianz Park? It's just called Park now, or Stone X Park or whatever it is. I interviewed him loads of times at Wasps in the Andy Good suite over that 18 months when he was out injured, he's the most positive guy. And we've seen a couple of tweets that he's put out already that he's going to come back stronger and better. And, you know, we just wish him all the best. But Jim, you were dead right. There needs to be a law amendment change so that you cannot roll, crock roll the body like that because knees are getting blown up all over the shop. And that is all to do with the power of the player now. Both the jackaler and Jack Willis, I don't want to blow his trumpet too much. I'm going to say he's up there in the top five jackalers in the world. Without a shadow of a doubt the way he jackals over the ball, the strength of those guys over the ball main means that coaches are still trying to look for other ways of trying to get them off the ball, which the crock roll is an obvious one um, so it, you know does it need to be outlawed completely and then hopefully we wouldn't see some of the serious injuries that we we've been seeing.
1: Well let's move on to Dublin now where France won for the first time in a decade and the celebrations were pretty big. Have a listen to this <laughs> What do you guys make of the celebration and the performance, guys? Where's the masks? I, 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 look, I, don't, look, I don't.
2: This could be. If I'm going based on my Twitter interaction this weekend, that's the question that I would have put. But I'm joking. I'll my my question.
0: In. My question on it is: they don't know the words. It's a hell of a celebration, they look so happy. Um, you, you notice how small Dupont is. He's about three foot tall. In shredded the, in, though. Yeah, I mean shredded. It's mass massive back on him. Sean Edwards on the top. I thought he was going to go tops off and whip it off and get the old wig and he belly. Knows, he
2: knows in this modern day that the minute he takes his top off and I reckon he's got a couple of shit tats
1: <laughs> is not
2: that that would be his problem. I bet he's got like a massive belly button as well. But imagine that that <laughs> is going straight on social. So he's smart. Just stand on the side. Just shout T-Bagalay LA. <laughs> <laughs> are good. And but it, it was great, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, it was great, wasn't it? To see, you know, them celebrating, getting all the words wrong. But, Yeah, I mean, it's great to see. (laughs) And the first time in a decade to win in... in, They're they're a proper team now, aren't they? They started off the game, and let's be honest, the way they started off the game and then the trip came from Bernard LaRue and those little things, you're like, oh, it's just so French away from home. And then they back it up with another bit of just so French. The try, led by DuPont's worldie of an offload, was ridiculous. And that is so French because they've always got that in them. But then you look at the second half and it was just... Tactically and in terms of just the desire at the end, defensively, Ireland had a hell of a lot of possession. But the French barred up time after time after time and deserved their victory. It wasn't pretty at times, but they had the two bits of class and quality to win the game. Ireland obviously scored off a off a line-out, a bit of a lucky tap-down when France turned the Ireland line-out over. Um, and then he shoots down and scores from about 22 metres out. But in reality... You know, this French team, it's a proper team, isn't it?
2: They didn't even get out of third gear either. And that's the worrying thing, I think, when you look at any other teams that need to play them. And think when fans back in stadiums and you know they're at home in Paris and they've got the World Cup obviously there in a couple of years. Um, I love the look of this French team. I think they look fitter than they've ever looked. The obvious statement is around their defence and physicality. Best player, spoke about him last week, Anton Dupont. Um, phenomenal. We've spoken about him every week, every time he's played. Uh, for me, Ireland's a worry, eh? They don't look very good at all, do they? They don't. I'm not i am not being horrible, but I had them down to win. And I thought, right, you're going to beat France at home. Get a bit of a bit of a bounce back. But I didn't see anything where I was like,
0: yeah, Ireland look all right. Yeah, I mean, uh, losing some of the key players that they lost before the game. And then you play in France who are undoubtedly over the last sort of 18 months since the World Cup, you know, one of the best teams in the world at the minute. Ireland have got problems there. with 9 and 10. Mate, why are you being horrible? Sexton, I, Sexton's
2: awesome, mate, when he's back. I'm, t- I'm telling you now, long-term, Ireland have got problems at 9 and 10. They have been the catalyst of their team. They've been the front runners of, of their team ever since I can remember. They're 9 and 10 and obviously... A, a big player in the second row, and a world-class centre in O'Driscoll. They have been the framework of the team for the last 10 years. And you, you look at the 9 and 10 now, not being horrible to Billy, it was a shame to see him go off with a head knock. You know, Sexton comes in. He can't get through a game, unfortunately. Like, that ain't my fault. That's just me stating stating the obvious. Oh, Sexton. Yeah, he doesn't get through a game. He, he doesn't yeah. get through a game. And Connor Murray as well, obviously world-class player in his day. But they're the drivers for them team, and when they're not in the team,
0: they're just not the same, are they? They're just not the same team. And the one thing for me is Jameson Gibson Park has played at nine, started at nine, played the whole game. I didn't think he had a great game at all. I just think he's slow at the base. I yeah, uh, if you've got Cooney on the bench, uh, you know you bring him on. How's Cooney not in that match day twenty three? I don't know. I don't want to keep jumping on the bad one because his lid's amazing, but I blame you, Jim. You don't like little Faz. Little Faz doesn't like you. Little Faz spoke to Big Faz <laughs> and said, "I don't like Jim." Big Faz knows that Cooney's gonna come on our podcast. We're big believers in Cooney, so Cooney ain't getting picked. I blame Jim Hamilton.
2: I think after this chat, Big Faz and Little Faz might think differently. Like we've spoken really highly of both of them, of what they're doing. So <laughs> there's a chance Cooney might be in for the next game.
1: He <laughs> should be. How much pressure is on Andy Farrell now? Is this was that French side that good, or should? Ireland fans be disappointed with how things are going under his leadership? I think it's fine margins, right?
0: So is he under pressure? No, he's, he's not under pressure for his job because it's a he's got a four-year contract and it, it goes to the World Cup. Everyone knows that Ireland, what they've done over the last few World Cup cycles is they're peaked in the middle of the World Cup, haven't they? You, know, you think back to Joe Schmidt era, they were dominant. Was it 2017 they dominated the All Blacks? Uh, you know, They won a Grand Slam and all these things. And then they always get to a World Cup And they've underperformed. You know, does he need to make changes? His job's safe because it's a four-year cycle. They ain't going to change him now and get someone else in when they've backed him and he's been in the system for quite a few years. Same with Pivak. Look at Pivak now. People were calling for his head six months ago, weren't they? And he hardly had any time. You need to be given time. And it's a natural cycle As if you need a change, change after the World Cup if you haven't done that well. And you need to see fans as well. I think once you
2: get fans in the stadium, I don't think you can judge having to play sport with no fans because I think people are dealing with, dealing with it differently. So I think j- judge them on
1: full stadium in five years' time.
0: <laughs> and get Cooney in as well.
1: Well, let's have a look at the Guinness Pint Predictor on Match Pint to wrap up on the Guinness Six Nations from the weekend because you topped the Guinness Legends League this week, didn't you, Goody?
0: Uh, you know, I just, three from three, you know, predicted. Obviously, England to win. I thought they'd win by a few. Did you go with Wales to win? Mate, I messaged you as the game kicked off. Just fancy Wales by three. I, I, was, on, I was on Twitter. I was on Twitter, mate, just doing my thing. But yeah, no, I don't know. I just felt fancied Wales by a couple. I think I put three. So that turned out pretty well in the end. And then France, I think I I went by six. Three, three from three, boys. You know, where, where are you in the league, Jim? How are you getting uh, on?
2: It's not, look, you know, I've gone... I'm happy to admit it. I've had a shocker in both weeks.
1: (laughs) Well, you picked Scotland wrong both weeks and you're bottom of the Legends League and 2,909th in the Rugby Pod League. I'm bottom of the Legends League. (laughs) I'm still the captain though, so it doesn't matter. Social captain, Jim, yeah. And congratulations to Steve Abbey who topped the Rugby Pod league this week. If you want to get involved, it's the same format as usual. Just download the MatchPoint app from all good app stores, predict the scores, beat your mates, and win great rugby prizes, including signed shirts, ultimate home viewing bundles, and loads of Guinness merch. And make sure you join the UK's biggest private league with the code Rugby Pod as well. The big news is that whoever wins the Rugby Pole League outright will win last year's Calcutta Cup match ball signed by the captains Owen Farrell and Stuart Hogg. And on Thursday this week, fans can go into the Matchpoint app and answer 10 questions about the tournament so far for the chance to win a four-pack of Guinness. Delivered straight to your door. Okay, let's have a look at the premiership now. It was finally confirmed on Friday that there'll be no relegation this season. And Told you. It'll be a 13-team league next season. Drama.
0: Yeah, it was always going to happen, wasn't it? This year especially. Um, and looking at the league, looking at the way uh, that the points are being distributed around the COVID uh, cancellations. Last year, Saracens were relegated. So actually the COVID point system didn't have an impact on relegation. I think the big worry around Premiership rugby, and there's always and points and talking points, was whatever happened this year, And we've seen it. I think Northampton have probably won more games. And this might be a stat that I'm just chucking out there, so it might not be fully right. But Northampton have won, I think, as many games via COVID as they have by playing a game of rugby. Uh, And I think they're sitting in fifth in the league now. (laughs) So uh, the flip side of it, Gloucester haven't had any games cancelled. They can't win a game for love nor money, so they're sitting bottom. But the, uh, the big worry for Premiership Rugby was if a team got relegated this year... Uh, and there was obviously an impact of COVID around that with the cancellation of games. The club may very well go bust, so it makes sense to do it for a year. Again, Jim, you're probably the same as me. You want to see it for a year, but then we need to have promotion and relegation in the Premiership to make it, you know, a, a product that people want to watch. I know BT Sport, who are the, you know, the, the rights holders to it at the minute i have just signed a new deal. They're adamant that they want relegation because it it puts bombs on seats in stadiums and viewing figures on the TV uh, because of the jeopardy of the amount of games, especially towards the back end of the season, where there's so much involved with it. And I've played in those games. They're amazing to play in. Nervous as anything, but... I've never played in them. The atmosphere is, you know, when I was at Worcester, knowing that you need to beat this team... and you definitely staying up. It's a great feeling. It's like you have won the league.
1: Well, Bath won away at Sale, and Gloucester got to within a point of leaders Bristol. So, do you think maybe the news had a bit of an effect on on those players and those teams? I can't believe Bath beat Sale. I
2: can't believe it. It must have been that arousing speech that Hoops gave a couple of weeks ago that <laughs> just brought them just brought them in. It just it just came in late. It took them two weeks to just absorb the shirt presentation um, of the lads, which was just so inspiring. It just aroused me as well as the the team. And I didn't see that. Alex Anderson did say to me, though, he said, you'll get a spike in energy for a couple of weeks. He said, and then it'll be back to normality. But very surprised that Bath beat
0: Sale. But there we go. Very surprised
2: of all we've seen for the last 12 months in life.
0: Yeah, fair play to Bath. We've given them a bit of stick here, but they rocked up and you you watch actually the highlights and watch the game itself. They perform really well. Tom Dunn. Tom Dunn. Ain't the best looking bloke, but he's pretty hard. I'm saying he's a good player. He is. And then Gloucester, you were
2: beating Bristol's Alex Craig, man from art, Not just because he gave away the penalty, but the fact that he's playing at Gloucester and he's Scottish. Are you blaming him? No, I'm not. I'm not. Why we're being one, horrible? I'm not the. I, I might sound like I'm being horrible now, but the one thing that stands out for me was when Jamal Ford Robinson, the TikTok star, the cornerstone of your scrum. Doesn't Alan Shearer come out the scrum? I don't know whether I wanted to cringe, turn the TV off, or clap my hands. I couldn't work out what my emotions were, but I can tell you which one it was. I was cringing. That's what I thought.
0: <laughs> well, I think Who's a couple of scrums late,
2: I don't know, but I think a couple of scrums later, he gets absolutely bent in half, didn't he? I did think that. I was going to say that that scrum there, you've just seen what you've you found out yourself what you've had for dinner, even
0: though you would have known, but you would have seen it. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's quite interesting, isn't it? Because you. You listen to the DORs. Bath are pretty free. They're an attacking team. And coaches, and for me, anyone looking at interviews over the weekend, George Skivington, loves skivs, good bloke. He was a hard player when he played. Not as hard as Jim, but he, he put it about for every team he played for. He was like, no, it changes nothing. Of course it does, pal. You're bottom of the league, mate. And, I, you know, I'm not putting pressure on or saying things for the sake of it. It, of course, changes everyone's mindset. And you compare that and contrast that to Jonathan Thomas's interview on Sunday before the Worcester Wasps game, where Worcester are equally in the were in the relegation battle until the announcement got made. He's like, yeah, it changes things. It takes a lot of pressure off. We can think more long-term now. It's just honest, right? So, it, of course, it changes everyone's uh, decision-making around preparation, match-to-match-to-match, to match to match, targeting games to win, to now there's no pressure of finishing bottom because there's no consequence what you don't want is that to always be the case and I you know I'm desperate to see promotion and relegation come back in from next year if the world goes back to normal. Quinns three on the trot? Nah we'll just brush past that. <laughs> <laughs> How are they winning? How are they winning three on the bounce? Well this is what you said Jim you said you always get a bounce right and you said a few weeks ago if the players start to really rock up and perform consistently well which they have done and this Quinn squad Should be good. Yeah. And on paper, it's a proper team. You've got Esther Hayes in the centre, Marcus Smith playing like an absolute king. Now he's got his new contract worth 500 grand plus. You're welcome, Marcus. Um, You know, they've got out-and-out quality in there. Fair play, three from three. Things are going their way. Joe Marla didn't play for England, so he's playing. That makes a big difference to him as well. Danny Kerr's found a bit of form. Mike Brown's found some form. It can only be the players that didn't want to play for Guzzi, right? And you said it yourself, Jim. If they're consistently good now, you question their desire before Guzzi left. And were they doing right by the jersey, or did they just want a bit of player power to get him out? So um, fair I ain't play.
2: I ain't answering that. Just leave, I'll leave that rhetorical <laughs> question just for you for the masses. Yeah.
0: So fair play though. Three from three since Guzzi left. Um, you know they're obviously playing with a bit of a swagger. Um, they you know they beat Bath away last week. Bath aren't particularly great at the minute. They beat Tigers at home this week again. Tigers aren't great at the minute, Um, but fair play to them. You know, they they dominated Wasps three weeks ago and and Wasps have been in a rut as well. So you just tip your slipper to them and I think they're in the top four now, aren't they?
1: Wasps are out of that rut now though, aren't they, Goody? Um,
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it it was a two-game rut. It was a performance that, you know, obviously Tom Willis's try was a, a big barnstorming finish.
2: He got man of the match as well, didn't he? Yeah, he
0: did. Played really well. Played really well. Carried exceptionally well. He's hard. Um, and obviously, you know, coming off the back of the news of his, his brother and seeing what happened to him the day before, that would have been tough. And, you know, people have talked about it till the cows come home already. But, you know, Wasps, they were the masters of their own downfall against Northampton last week severely off the pace the week before against Quinns and you know, played some reasonable stuff at times in very tough conditions uh, at Worcester um, and were kind of hanging on a little bit towards the end to, to keep the victory when they perhaps should have kicked on and won it a bit more comfortably but fair play Worcester had a bit of fight still no Chris Ashton though is uh, actually even there he's probably going to leave next week <laughs> <laughs> he's probably had enough Fell out with Solly. <laughs> but yeah, you know, Wasps needed a win. They got it. Uh, parts of it weren't pretty, but the weather dictated how they played. And I uh, thought Atkinson played really well at 10. Um, so yeah, you know, Wasps have got a lot of players missing, and it was a good away victory.
1: Right, well, let's finish things off with the good, the bad, and the ugly, which is brought to you by the helpful guys at Suns who are helping men with one of the key issues that often gets overlooked. How to keep you here. They're a men's health brand that offers a range of licensed and medically proven products for preventing and treating hair loss as well as free online consultations with GPs and they deliver via a monthly or three monthly subscription direct to your door. It's reasonably priced with no contract or hidden charges and most importantly they get results in 9 out of 10 men. So just visit sons.co.uk and use the code RugbyPod20 to get 20 quid off your first order. That's S-O-N-S.co.uk and the code is RugbyPod20.
0: Yeah, loads of good as ever around the world of rugby. And we're going to start off in Wales, Jim. We are, but not with the national team. Not yet anyway, James. Not yet. Uh, Ellis Jenkins. And we mentioned him earlier. We mentioned how oh, good knee injuries earlier. Hell of a player. Uh, he scored a try and come back from injury after 812 days out. 812 days. A phenomenally long time out of the game. Uh, Cardiff Blues played a friendly over the Ospreys. Great to see him back, especially at the time when you see such a horrific injury to a fellow back row star uh, in Jack Willis. So uh, massive tip of the slipper to Ellis Jenkins. Um, we're going to put Dan Cole in the goo this week.
2: What did he do? do? Hair grow back?
0: No, no, no. I well,
2: know what he did. I know they, what he did.
0: They, they did get humped by Quinns, but Steve Borthwick said there's a lot of steel in the team. But Coley, tip of the slipper, 250th appearance oh. for Leicester Tigers at the weekend. Uh, I was going to say a one-club man, but he did play at Bedford uh on loan for a, a little nottingham. while and nottingham, and nottingham well. yes mm-hmm. and nottingham yes uh but yeah a hell of a stalwart for that club so 250 games for the tigers well done coley uh what else was good well we've got to mention them haven't we jim wasps back on the horse mate oh,
2: of course we do of back on the do.
0: horse and tom willis uh, with a barnstorming run barnstorming performance uh they get the victory down at worcester warriors uh another old club of mine actually so yeah we've got two in there uh what else was good tom dunn mentioned it earlier Ain't the best-looking bloke, is he? In fact, he's up there with some of the not-best-looking blokes in the league. But my God, he can tackle. My, that, my God, he can carry. Ridiculous stats at the weekend. 34 tackles for Bath against Sale in Bath's victory up there, which many people wouldn't have expected them to get, but he was a massive part of that, so well done, Tom. Um, he equaled Jack Berger's record against Exeter in 2013. Did you play in that game, Jim? Did we win? Well, I don't know, but I'm, what I'm saying is Jack Berger made... 34 tackles in I that probably game. did
2: then. He probably did. He made your tackles, didn't he? <laughs> he did, yeah. Yeah, he did. <laughs>
0: he, he must have made your tackles in that game as well. So uh, anyway, well done to Tom Dunn. Uh, what else was good? Let's go up to Scotland, eh, Jim? Where are we going? Kicking we're game? Well, we're we going Stuart Og. We're just going to get him in the good because he is on fire at the minute. Two tries, played exceptionally well again. Uh, he scored a wonderful try to put Scotland back ahead and I thought that could have been the winning try for me he's up there I said he's the second best player in the world at the minute but then I forgot about Cheslin Colby who's still tearing it up for Toulouse See his so, try at the weekend ridiculous. I, even ridiculous I saw that I don't know if yeah. you
2: watched French rugby but I saw yeah.
0: that uh, so Hoggy I'm going to I'm going to demote you a little bit I'm going to say you're in the top three players in the world at the minute uh, he's playing exceptionally well so we'll give him a tip of the slipper uh, and he got two tries at the weekend top performance um, we'll stay in Scotland Jim and we'll stay with Wales Owen Watkins tackle the old tap tackle, pulled it out, won them the game at the end, a fantastic bit of graft to get back, and then last-ditch tap tackle on van der Merwe. Ridiculous skills from him, ridiculous work rate, deserves a full tip of the slipper to that one. One of
2: the best tackles I've seen for a long time.
0: Mm-hmm. Very good from him. Uh, we're going to just nip over to France, and we're not going to talk about the national team quite yet. We're going to talk about La Rochelle. Didn't going down going happened? down to Toulon and spanking Toulon at the Stad Félix Mayol. Uh La looked proper this year so uh Was Evan Eben
2: playing? Ebenetzebeth. No word of a lie. Me and him were texting in bed the other night. It was very weird. What next to um, each other or because that's well, breaking no, covid? no, loud. No, you're not loud because of China, but the weirdest thing was we were texting each other. He
0: said I'm off to sleep now. I said all right. Night. <laughs> 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 genuinely yeah, well, let's just say he played and he was, you know, he was distracted by your text messaging, Jim. So it's your fault. My fault, uh, i take it. But tip of the slipper to La Rochelle. Um, and we'll go back to France, but over to Ireland, the French national team. A hell of a performance at times. Showed some tough, tough attitude in defence. Some big work rate as well towards the back end of the game. Getting their first victory in Dublin for 10 years. Led by Sean Edwards on top, dancing away in the changing rooms and all the boys just learn the words though next time if you're going to come to Twickenham and try and do that and if you win just please learn the words boys free from desire money money chicken fire free from <laughs> desire Imagine,
2: if anyone knows hey, the words tell Ibiza that tell Ibiza. I'll, I'll learn the words and I will do that in Ibiza in me budgie smugglers responsibly with a pair of Birkenstocks on absolutely horrendous My <laughs> me toes will still be mangled but
0: nice uh, so well done to the French national team but the good this week goes to one man and one team. Lewis rhys Zamet and his two tries to win the game against Scotland. Him and all the Welsh boys deserve their victory. They were written off by Jim Hamilton over the last 18 months. Every and I'm sorry. Week. Every week they, they turn up. Every single week. Who am I? I'm go. Jean Valjean. There you go. You heard it here first, people. Jim Hamilton has said sorry to the whole of Wales. Uh, the Grand Slam dream is still on for them after beating Scotland. So... The goo this week goes to Lewis Rees-Summit and his Welsh teammates. But mainly Lewis rees because he's going out with Scolsey's daughter. And Scolsey had that picture on the field that one time. When he was short- minus 10. Wow, well, his shorts rode up a bit high. Devastated. His, his willy was hanging out. And <laughs> Do, you it 10- Do you call that a willy? Do you call that a Willie? With a bit of a ginger bush and, and no manscaping. So, um, I, I mean, it was the 90s. <laughs> uh, the bad... Um, We'll start off with Ireland. Uh, A bit of bad luck for the first time ever that they've lost both of their first two games in the Six Nations. Uh, So unfortunate for them, not great. uh, Under a bit of pressure, but Big Faz, he'll listen to the pod. He'll keep his job and he'll bounce back with a big victory over in Italy. I'm sure in round three. Uh, What else was bad? What about the French doctor, Jean-Francois Chemin? (laughs) Oh, Chamon Mofo. (laughs) He was talking about Johnny Sexton having had 30 concussions in his career. What happened to the doctor-patient confidentiality?
2: Cheval-moval, mate. It's, <laughs> you can't do it, mate, can you? That's what's happens with the... There are parts of the French that are still so French, aren't they? Yeah, well, that gives you... Jo- I joke about it with, with a song in the changing room. You see the physios coming on, the only physios, most of them come on in full PPE... With triple masks. The French doctors come on. They've got the willies hanging out the top of their
0: masks <laughs> every time. It's, 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 that's them, isn't it? That's just the way they roll. Um, so, yeah, he has to get a mention. Jean-Francois Chemin for basically saying Johnny Sexton's had 30 concussions in his career. Bang out of order. Don't be saying that. Uh, unfortunately, the bad this week has to go, I'm afraid, to Jack Willis's injury. Uh, sickening to see. Horrible for everyone that knows him. Anyone that's part of the England team, his family, Wasps, obviously, as well, who are going to miss him hugely uh, when the Six Nations is over. Just wish him all the best in recovery. hope the operation goes well if an operation is required. I'm sure we will bounce back stronger, but it's horrible to see. Uh, and unfortunately, that gets the bad this week. Error. Then the ugly. Uh, a few bits of ugly, actually. Uh, we're going to start with Motu Matu's tackle on Ian Witten. Uh, that saw him get sent off. Pauly and Whitten got absolutely smoked head on head. And again, it's the chest up, head forward tackle that World Rugby have been trying to outlaw for a long, long time. I just don't get how players aren't reacting to this at all. It's still happening. Just get low some. Well,
2: there's a few interactions around the players. Like you see, you look at Xander Fagerson's card at the weekend. We spoke about it. And you look at Hamish Watson's reaction. I'm not saying that Hamish disagrees with the shoulder-on-head collisions and I know this is about the height of the tackle, but it makes you question how engaged all the players are across the the board because it's taken a shift in mentality for us to talk about it a little bit, hasn't it? You know, you think about what we were talking about when it goes back to Will Spencer's one where he got sent off for shoulder to head with little force or Cipriani's one as well as the Justin Tackler. I know this one was a little bit more violent, as it were, but I'm the same as you. I'm watching it, I'm just like... Man, you, you
0: can't do it. Like, you just can't do that. What are you doing? Well, compare that hit to Malachi Fecker toenails hit. Forster. Oh, my toenails. My goodness me. I mean, perfect tackle techers, right. Courtney Laws, anyone that makes the excuse about being seven foot four, Courtney Laws goes low 99% of the time as well, doesn't he? So it is possible. Um, it's a behavior. And as you said, Jim, you know, sometimes you just question whether the players are even thinking about it. It's out of the game now. Out. It's got to go out of the game. And Motu Matu, his tackle is definitely something that needs to be aired and looked at across the board because Ian Witten's a big old horse and he got properly sparked. Only one other thing to talk about, really, and uh, it's three players that, as players, and we've seen it a lot, right? We're lucky that we're doing this job at the minute, Jim, being able to get on the podcast every week, talk about rugby, talk about Bush, talk about whatever we want to talk about, and it's a privilege to do it. When you're a professional rugby player and you're living and these COVID rules are tough for everyone, but you're living and you, you know, agree to live in a certain way around the regulations, and you know that you're going to get banned, you know you're going to get fined if you break them. Jonathan Joseph, Gabriel Ogre, and Elliot Stoke What are you doing? And then Elliot Stoke crashing your car, pissed. I mean, I don't want to rub salt into wounds, but have a word with yourself, not only are you breaking the COVID regs that everyone else is living by, what are you thinking? Not a good look, Elliot Stuke. Gabriel Ogre and Jonathan Joseph, you've got your bands, but you get the ugly this week.
1: Thanks, Goody. And you guys have got a couple of shout outs to finish off with, don't you?
0: Yeah, I've got a big shout out to stalwart of
2: Camp Hill RFC's thirds and vets team, Paul Lardy Finnan. He's currently in the ICU at Nottingham Hospital and he's on a ventilator with COVID-19. He's a big northern second row and he's a poor man's Jim Hamilton lookalike, complete with noodle arms and hands like flippers. Sounds like a legend. He walks onto the pitch like Martin Johnson, but he plays more like Eureka Johnson. His teammates love him to bits and can't wait to hear from him moaning again about everything from the kids drinking his wine to his piles hanging out of his arse playing up again. Keep fighting, laddie. Much love from everyone here at the Rugby Pod as well as everyone at Camp Hill Rugby. Sounds like an absolute legend, this bloke
0: yeah that's rugby summed up in one instant there isn't it i love that they're backing their mate obviously going through a tough battle at the minute they're calling him lardy they're calling him out about moaning for everything about piles and kids and all that stuff so uh yeah keep fighting paul and hopefully you know you'll bounce back and you'll be able to play ruggers again because those sort of people are the people that make those amateur clubs tick so uh good stuff. Uh, We've also got a shout out to Porth Harlequins as well, who have got loads of guys running or walking 26 miles in March to raise money for Rookwood Hospital after one of them was in there recently and is currently recovering from serious head injuries. So uh, a massive shout out to Porth Harlequins. Hell of an effort, boys. Uh, Keep raising that money for Rookwood Hospital.
1: Thanks Gertie, thanks Jim, thanks producer Tim and thank you very much for listening, don't forget to hit subscribe on whatever platform you get your podcasts on, leave us a review and check us out on YouTube as well Rippy Pod, Pod 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 Well you probably heard it a few weeks ago, I've launched a brand new podcast and we've had some awesome guests on so far, the feedback has been unreal, so far we've had a top gun pilot from the RAF a crocodile hunter some former SAS soldiers, the UK's number one fitness expert the bodyguard for celebrities like Tom Cruise, Brad Pitt, Angelina Jolie and Clint Eastwood, a government advisor on the future, which is gnarly, and a UFO expert from the UK's Ministry of Defence. Plus, I've just recorded one with the Stig from Top Gear, where he gives me all the secrets on how he kept his identity hidden for so long. You don't want to miss that one. So go and check it out. It's called The Andy Rowe Show, and you can find it wherever you get your podcasts. (laughs) We'll <laughs>